Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Peace family is 19 Keys with the 19 Keys podcast. You're listening to a high-level conversation. Tap in. All right, a word from one of our sponsors. Make sure you tap into Goldwater Products. After you come listen to the information, you're going to need your memory stimulated so you can download everything in that prefrontal cortex. You want to make sure that hippocampus area of your brain that regulates mood, memory, and learning is fully functional and tapped in. Therefore, you want to tap into Goldwater. They have smart malls, sports malls, vitamin C malls, colloidal silver. They have just about everything that you, your child, and your whole entire family needs to stimulate your brain and your body and to make sure that your immune system is functioning. Before you tap into this great high-level conversation, listen to this song by Tezu Kulando called Goldwater. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Ground Zero Summit 2020. <clears throat> we're in the 3.30 p.m. hour. And look, y'all, we were just backstage laughing it up, really getting excited about the next gentleman. Yo, what's up, everybody? To Welcome bless back to the stage. Ground look, here's Zero the beautiful part about all of this, that you all have so many people here, 28 people exactly, who are literally spending their time, valuable time, pouring it into each and every one of us. So I'm excited for this opportunity. And I'm actually going to read this bio because I believe that every uh, word that's listed here, though short, is worth a million, million dollars. This gentleman is a paradigm shifting solution based thought leader, business revolutionary. He's an author, a keynote speaker, a global change maker. He's a self-proclaimed young, rich black God who uses smarts, knowledge of self and experience to speak truth to power and create solutions to problems as he crowns the world. Look, I think that you need to get your pen and you need to get your notepad ready for this gentleman. My brother, Mr. 19 Keys, welcome on, buddy. Welcome on, man. Excited to have you on the platform. Appreciate you. Man, that was a great introduction. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think it's, it's like, the, like the word says, give honor where honor is due. That is true. That is true. The stage is all, your, all yours, my brother. All right. Um, thanks for having me here. Um, it's a blessing to be a part of this circle, to be a part of this group, uh, to be a part of the behind the scenes and putting this together. Um, before I even get started, um, I definitely want to give a special shout out to a lot of the board, you know, in the back end of it. Uh, my good brother, Speck, has done a lot for the infrastructure and the marketing and the branding and making sure it's come together. Um, Dr. Omai, um, um, Steve Canal, D1, Marco, Kendra, David Shans, um, Brett, and a lot more. And this was very intentional to do something as a way to what I consider this to be our stimulus package to the people. You understand me? It's one thing to get $1,200. It's one thing to get $10,000. But in all honesty, that's not worth anything if you don't know where to put that money, where are the opportunities in this new time and where it exists. So I would love for everybody just take, you know, if you wherever you sit and get them a round of applause, you understand me? Give them a couple of claps because 
the goal was really to provide as much value as possible. Um, as he read off that list, you know, I um, read that before, but hearing it out loud, it sounds like a lot. Right. And each one of those things I qualify myself for because I have the experience and I believe in results. So I want to start this off by saying, first, you have to be able to categorize the three different things. And each one of these leaders will be in the category of knowledge and smarts. But there's a difference between information, knowledge and smarts and definitely a difference between wisdom. So information are things that you get that just facts, things that you can read about. Right. But it's not until you convert that information through execution into knowledge which becomes knowledge yourself, because now you can reflect upon your experiences that you had. But it's different between you going and listening to a high school teacher talk about entrepreneurship, but they don't own the business. So what these people here are giving you is real knowledge itself, knowledge that is um, steep from actual experience that they have in real life that they can teach. Now, have this from execution. Wait a minute, I thought that that was on. I don't want nothing to interrupt this because I want to get into a flow here. <clears throat> All right. So when you have knowledge that comes from the things that you've experienced and the results that you have in life, you have to become more effective at doing these things, right? So a person can give you the information like, you know what, one road to gaining you a stream of income is starting a business. But if they never started a business, they don't have real knowledge in it because it's not steeped in experience. And if they haven't ran a successful business, then they might not be able to tell you the smart way of getting it done. So today is definitely not about, I would like to say, it's not about the hard work, it's about the smart work and it's about how creative you can be. So a little background on me. Uh, I am from Oakland, California. Um, when I was young, I think I've been arrested probably around like 10 times before the age of 19. And I had about five to six cases that I had to fight and go to trial for. Um, and so those experiences just themselves have taught me a lot because when you go through something, it gives you a lot of time to reflect. And when I remember when I was going through the trial, I had got locked up and I spent about 30 days in Iowa jail. It was Iowa, Ohio. I can't even really remember at this time. It was a long time ago. But I remember reading this storybook and this book was beautiful. It had all of these different characters in it that I could relate to. And it was like a movie playing off in my head. And I read the whole book all the way through because what else did I have to do? I was essentially on my, my quarantine. And so I read this book. But when I was done reading it, as I put the book down and I closed that final chapter, I realized that it did nothing to gain me my freedom, give me any more power, give me any closer to getting out. So I remember when they extradited me, took me from one state, they took me to California. Then when I'm in California, we go to trial because my brother was one of my co-defendants, but he's fighting the case from behind the jail because he had another pending case. And he gave me a list of books to read. These were some very powerful books at the time I didn't know nothing about. And basically he gave me those, those books because those are things that he was reading at the time. But he wanted me to be well equipped to go through this trial in this case because we wasn't about to plead out. We was about to go through trial to show that we was innocent and to gain our freedom. And so I remember reading those books and it opened my mind up to information that I can actually use, knowledge that I can actually use and convert and to be real tactical and strategic in that particular trial. And I remember telling things to my lawyer that he wasn't about to do in order for us to beat the case. So we getting certain things dismissed throughout the case. And I remember going through that whole trial. We had to pick jury. Uh, it was a very stressful time that even when my co-workers and things of that nature knew nothing about, they didn't know why I had so much stress on my heart because 
for me, there was no way for me to see the foreseeable future. I didn't know what was going to be next because I didn't know whether I was going to be free or not. So we went through that trial and it got to the end. And of course, the jury came back and they said not guilty. And I was happy as hell. And from that moment on, I decided to never take in information and knowledge that wasn't applicable to my success, my freedom, gaining me some justice and some quality and some ownership within this world. So every time I learn a piece of information, I'm always trying to figure out how can I apply it. But I also know that there's many people who don't have someone like my older brother to introduce them to knowledge. You understand me? To where they become a key in that person's life so that they can open new doors and new opportunities for them so that they can improve and gain value onto self. So for me, I became obsessed with the idea of finding applicable knowledge that people can utilize to gain some power, to gain some freedom, to gain their own justice, equality, and equity within this world. So when I consider myself a world changer, the reason I do that and a paradigm shift is because that's what I do as I travel around the globe teaching people. I teach um, business, I teach education, I teach um, high science, I teach synchronicity, I teach people how to shift their conscious and subconscious mind to become a better person. So when you wanna think about is knowledge power? Yes, once you learn that information and you execute upon the things that you actually know. Now, the reason I consider myself a young rich black guy, not because of the money, because I'm rich in knowledge. Knowledge itself makes a man rich, you understand me? And so as I've been going on this journey in life, I've been enriching myself every place that I go to. Last year, I did what they call a diaspora tour. I traveled to the four corners of the diaspora. I went out to the UK. I went to Africa. I went to the Caribbeans. And we did a whole tour throughout the United States with my brothers that I co-founded a group called The Shifters. It's a group of individuals that have their own respective platform, much like the power circle. And we travel around showing people what unity is. Now, when I was younger, I seen many organizations go up to very high caliber skills and then fall because of ego. And when it comes to organizing and getting together with a group of people, it always fails because of ego. Everybody wants to be the front man. I did this. I did that. I'm responsible for this. The I, I, I always gets in front of the we. And so that's detrimental to any progress that we try to make as a people, any progress we try to make as family, any progress we try to make as friends. So what we decided to do is we say, wait a minute, you know how hard it is to unite with a group of leaders? So let's start bragging about the things that we do, because you can't completely create a death of your ego. You understand me? Unless you're really into your Buddhist transformation of enlightenment. But what you can do is you can transfer that into the we go. So instead of bragging about what I do, we bragged about what we were able to accomplish and get done together. So I would love for everybody to write down we go. Because we living in what I like to call the new America. And in this new America, the things that we once considered luxuries have now become essentials. So we thought it was a luxury that you could collaborate with another person. But I like to say that, and one of my mottos is, you know, if you want to get something done, do it yourself. If you want to do more, get you a team. And that's true standard throughout history. But history is often selfish. It celebrates the individual, but not the team behind the individual. And you can think about any leader in time ever to exist. There was a team of people behind helping strategize to put them in place. Today, I'm seeing beautiful collaborations where people are putting a team on. And that's love right there. So if you want to progress today, make yourself a part of a group. Come together and do it a mastermind. A mastermind when you have five to seven individuals that can give you access to 
um, skills, resources, knowledge, information that you normally could not get on your own. So it's automatically a value. So I am an advocate for family business. I have a business with my family. You understand me? I remember when we had our first six-figure month with the business, and I didn't really care about the number, but I cared about my ability to be able to pay my brothers and sisters. Like that gives me a real joy, but we could have never gotten to certain marks um, as a business unless we were working together. And me and Speck had a conversation before, and we were talking about the family CEO. Now, when I first went viral on Instagram, one of them was because it was a video. I was talking about the difference between family and friends and, uh, and family and relatives and friends and associates. And it basically went like this. I said that, you know, relatives are people that you bonded with by blood. You understand me? It could be cousins, brothers, sisters, uncles, mothers, fathers, people by marriage. And then family are people who invest in you, people that you have a reciprocal relationship with people that you can actually build with. So I don't believe that family are just people that you share DNA with, but I believe that family are the people that you actually spend time with. And if you're spending time with these people, then you should have a valuable relationship to where you all can build something together. Whether it's a relationship and it's with your spouse, whether it's with a friend, if y'all are spending a copious amount of time together, how come you can't work together? In a functional relationship, these parts are able to come together, organize themselves so that you can get to set obligation and goals. So I decided instead of complaining about my family not supporting my, my business, because essentially if I had when I had a six-figure job, I didn't expect them to come in there and shop and buy these high-priced items. So how come when I get a business that only supports me, I wanted them to support it as well? So I said, no. Instead of expecting my family to support my business, I'm going to create a business that supports my family. And that thinking itself changed the game for me 100%. And I haven't been this successful in my life until I started actually learning how to work together with family. Now, in business, we hear this all the time. Don't work with family, right? Yet, we know for a fact that families run the world. Most of the corporations that run in today, a lot of them were started 100 years ago. And they were started by families. Even in the Jeff Bezos story, his mother and father gave him $295,000 to start up. People always look at the garage story of him working by himself. But behind that was the support of his family believing in him. But they told him, look, don't quit your day job just yet. Because he essentially wanted to start a digital library in 1995 where the e-commerce game wasn't even booming. But he had vision. See, when you're a visionary, and I'm going to get into my slide in just a second. But when you're a visionary, you can see things before they come, right? So it's like, if I have 20-20 vision, that means based on the test, I can see it 20 feet away. So if a person's vision is not that good, they have to wait till they get a little closer. They got, sometimes people got to get so close that that's considered to be legally blind. But faith, in order for a person to have faith in you, they got to have belief in the unseen. So things are created twice, once in the mind and then in reality. So the fact that they believed in their son, for one, was indicative of them being good parents and them raising a the right type of child and them really loving that person because that's reciprocal energy. You're willing to take a risk. And then he asked a bunch of other family members because he was trying to raise at least a million dollars. Can y'all put in 50,000? Now, everybody he went to didn't say yes, but a large percentage of them did. And these are the parts of the story 
that we miss out. But these are the most pivotal parts of the story that's important because this is how you really build and have some real ownership. See, a lot of our movements are steeped around, look, we want equality, we want freedom. But me always say that a person that has freedom without power is left up to the rulership of the one who does. So when I traveled around the globe, what did I see? And what was I looking for? I was looking for what are our problems? So each place I made sure I stayed in for a few weeks and I did what they call participant observation. I made sure that I experienced the place as if I was from there, not a tourist where I'm just coming by, staying at a resort. No, I wanted to really experience what it was like to live in Africa, right? What it was like to live in Jamaica, what it was like to live in the UK, what it was like to go to different pockets throughout the United States and understand the plights of the people. And before I had flew out there, I had went to uh, the hip hop summit, uh, the revolt summit, and a large conversation they was talking about was ownership, going independent, how to own your own. Because if you don't own it, then you don't control it. So even though hip hop is a global tool of communication, everywhere around the world that I go to, I hear hip hop, grind. I hear, uh, what's that other thing? Tech or I forget what it's called at the moment. House. And I'm saying, wait a minute. So this same rhythm, this same hypnosis of information is being put into people around the world, black people, especially around the world. And I'm saying, but we don't own the message. And see, sometimes even one of these artists, they want to come out there and put together a very positive message. But they label like, nah, that won't sell. So the label controls the narrative because they control the music. They control the artists because they own these big companies. And what we're seeing today is a lot of tools in this new America for people to own their own, to go independent. This is the most beautiful thing. One of the first rappers we seen do that was like Master P. But after I left that, I went to Africa and they were doing what they call a, a they, they have what they got going on, a land summit, where they're taking the land away from um, those white South Africans out there and appropriating it back to where it originally belongs is the people that are from there. Because some of these people out there, they own so much land. I'm talking about 7,000, 8,000, 10,000 acres. And you have to drive through their country. And these people are from there and they stand in small houses that's five to 10 to people, five to 10 people in a household. And so when you talk about socially distancing and quarantine, who really has that luxury? People who live in luxury, people who can afford it. Quarantining and socially distancing is something you have to afford. So I'm socially conscious and I think about that and like, man, to really tell people to just stay home, right? And they're steady stocking up bills. The economy is steady getting worse. The jobless rate is steady increasing. So they're thinking they're going stressed out every single day. So I decided to say, okay, what is the new America? Because the millennial generation today now going through two recessions. The first recession that we went through, of course, the 2008 recession. And now we're going through this 2020 recession that could possibly be a depression. A recession is essentially a short-term economic downcline, a decline. And then that means that it can go up. It could be like a V-shaped economy. It can hit down and go up. Or it could be like a U-shaped economy. It take a little longer to go back up, but then eventually it does. Or it could be like an L-shape to where it goes down 
and then it just keeps getting bad and we don't know when it will go back up again so the goal becomes now how do i pivot in this new world how do i become recession proof what are the essential businesses what are the essential skills that i should be starting and that's why i come in to teach about the new america essentially talking about the new world the new normal and my dear brother Derek grace like to say Yes, things will go back to normal. They'll just be a new normal. And that's what I call the new America. So I'm going to get into this presentation here in just a moment. So in the new America, you have to become what I like to call a mad scientist to avoid the sads. The shift is coming. The shift is here already. But the good news is that the ground, the, the, the ground is like wet cement. It hasn't um, hardened up to where you still have opportunity in it. So that means that you need to make the changes before even things get to that point of completely saying that, OK, this is our normal now. So what is becoming a mad scientist? Mobilization, automation, digitization. Right. Write those down. Make sure that you have that because every entrepreneur should know what these things are. And then what is the sads? That's what I call stress, anxiety, depression, suicide. Now, you have to understand. During these times, <clears throat> a lot of people are experiencing job loss. And I'm going to read this here for those who may not be able to see this. And this is something that I wrote a few years ago, right? Because I've been preparing my particular students for a long time for this new America and this emerging paradigm shift that inevitably we we're going to go through anyway. If you're going to look at any of the Billionaires videos that people look up to, they always talking about the economy is a bubble, another recession is looming. People didn't listen because we got caught in our comfort zones. So there's no security in jobs. A lot of you believe you have security in your jobs, but security doesn't exist, especially in the lower wage jobs. These are jobs that will be automated first, right? We're talking about AI when we talk about things becoming automated. Corporate greed is a real thing. If you are studying the current climate of the economy and politics and how it affects industries and existing jobs, you will see that capital greed is telling you that they will cut your jobs, not because they have to, but because they can. And emerging technologies are shifting. It's easier for this to happen. Now, this AI shift and this digital shift and this mobilization shift was always going to happen, just like the economy's debt ceiling was always going to increase. But we didn't really see this happening for years to come. Now this whole COVID-19 crisis has really pushed it up to the forefront, right? It really pushed up the timeline. So now everybody is scrambling. But there's also good news because a lot of entrepreneurs that were ready, they're doing amazing during this time. And that's also a good news for you because that means that, oh, they need to hire more people. That means that you can get creative and start to create your own job. If you think about the entrepreneurs that are doing well in this time, you can start to look at, what are the key resources they're going to need to continue to expand, right? So they're going to need smart employees. They're going to need people who can tell them things to do. I seen a uh, meme that was shared by Dr. Omar, who's going to be a speaker here today. She said that, you know, you don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. You hire smart people so they can tell you what to do. So if you want to create your own job, look at the value that you can create. So how do you go about that? So let's say somebody DMs me and they say, Keys, you keep talking about how, how well you're doing. They say, I'm hearing these entrepreneurs talking about how well you're doing, right? So how can I help you? Look, um, I have a digital agency. You know, I'm a writer. 
if I'm a writer, can I start writing particular um, uh, articles on you and then submit those articles to you in my WordPress? And then you can take these articles and then you can post them as content. And I'll write 10 articles for you a month at $200 or something of that nature. Right now, what you're doing is called value proposition. You're telling them something that can increase their bottom line. If it's going to increase their capital, increase their brand awareness, increase their story, then, of course, they'd be like, OK, that actually makes sense. Now, for some of you, some people don't see things unless it's in front of them. So what you can do is also just write the article and send it to them. Be like, look, I'd love to do this for you week to week. Same thing with graphic designers. I see a lot of the graphic designers, they be posting in people pages with the bots because that's, that's how they go automated. But they're not creating, and a lot of times they have credit for celebrities, but they don't really go to the pages that got five, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. Those are the people whose page you can use as your platform. Why? Because they're going to repost. And now they get used to you making it every time you want to get to a new audience base. Go to somebody who has 20,000 followers and then go ahead and um, create them some type of graphic, whether it's a cartoon, whether it's a flyer, whatever it is. Send it to them. They post it. They tell people where you at. Now they're getting you potential clients. And see, what you don't want to ever get caught up is thinking in transaction, uh, transaction based. If you think in transaction based, then what happens is you're like a pirate. You're trying to go out there and get all the loot. But once the pirate get the loot, they can never go back to that same place again. Right. Because they didn't satisfy that particular customer. So you definitely don't want to go with the pirate strategy. What you want to do is cultivate relationships. So in business, let's say that if somebody comes to me, right, and they say, Keys, I want to do advertising on your platform. Let's say I charge them $100, for example, say I'm not charging $100, right? But let's say they char I charge them $100 to post up their T-shirt. For example, sake, again, let's say the T-shirt costs $10. So let's say I post up their, their T-shirt, right? I'm wearing it. So that's really one of the best ways. I'm wearing it myself, right, doing indirect marketing. And they say at the bottom that, okay, I got this T-shirt from so-and-so. So let's say that maybe you only convert uh, that into uh, 100 followers, right? So that's like a dollar per follower. Let's say you convert that into 10% sales, though. So now you converted that in 10% sales. You made $100. So essentially, you just made that back, but you just got your follower. Now, some people will be like, ah, that's not worth it. I only got like 100 people last time. I only got my money back. That's because they think it's transactional. See, when you think in client base, now you say that, okay, how much money can I make with these clients over time by facilitating as much value with them as possible? So that means that within that year, no, it's not going to be $100, right? Because you have the potential of getting them to buy something every month. That could be $1,200. But if you're thinking transactional, yes, it's $100. So right now, Everybody has time. You should be calling your customers. You should be offering them advice, creating a social economic piece to it, showing them that you're giving things away. They say, oh, OK, now it starts to deepen the story of what your brand means to them. So there's many different ways you can create your own job right now and create new streams of income. A stream of income really just looks like a new skill set. So in the introduction, he said the word polymath. See, schools were essentially started not just in the United States, but I mean globally. Getting an education was supposed to make you a universal thinker to where when you're a polymath, and write that down as P-O-L-Y-M-A-T-H, does that mean your skill set span in many different areas? 
So remember in school, they say, no, don't be the jack of all trades. But they, when you switch the paradigm, right, you hear those paradigm reference words. You just hear quotes and run with them. Me, I always reimagine them. I said, wait a minute. Is there a better way to go about this? What, what if I could be a master of some trades, right, a master of many trades? Automatically, that shift the paradigm when you're thinking about developing skill sets. Now, yes, it's true. You don't do everything all at once, but you can focus cultivating one, building up another. And then you can also have micro skills that help work with the ecosystem of your whole business. Right. When I learn each time I learn that I have a skill, I know that that's a new value that I have, which means that it increases what they call human capital. And I'm going to get into that as well. Before I get into that, let's go back to one of the slides. <clears throat> it says, as an entrepreneur, I will always face what happens head on and I will figure out how to innovate and be ahead of the curve. In a downturn economy, remember, I wrote this a few years ago. Men deal with job loss much worse than women. Uh-oh, fellas. Men deal with habituates and self-sabotage. Habituates is like drinking and smoking and drugs. Uh, and self-sabotage like playing video games, right? They are worse at managing themselves in downturn crises, especially when it comes to looking for a job. In an economy where a person barely has money, what they would do is spend it. What would they spend their money on? They will buy things that give them joy, but these things make them less productive. And this is a dangerous thing. So we're talking about escapism because a lot of men, let's be honest, don't know how to deal with emotions and manage their emotions because they don't have a lot of experience in managing emotions. You can be sometimes too logical and too practical and too analytical in your thoughts. So when you don't have a thought and know what to deal with something, it creates a frustration. And now you're trying to escape that frustration by putting energy into a place that makes you less productive. So that's that part of the sads, because when a person is stressed, right, it makes them even less productive. They can't think. Um, and that's when you start to have anxiety. Um, and then that messes with sleep cycles. And now you got brain fog. You're waking up. You can barely think. So now it's lowering your IQ. And now you can't do proper problem solving. People think of the future as something that is going to occur instead of something that is already here. The danger of that thinking is that you're waiting to see what's going to be the worst. Let me see. You're going to be the worst. What's going to be the worst instead of facing what you can do now. One thing I want you to understand is the aspirational goals that you need. Aspirational meaning becoming more. Ambition is gaining more. Write that down. Aspiration is about becoming more. When ambition is about gaining more. In order for you to have value in a new economy and where things are inevitably going, you're going to need to become more. <clears throat> Looking at what can't be automated, digitized, what are the human core components will be the most extremely valuable skills. I only have an hour, so I can't go over everything, but I really want to jam-pack this with a lot of valuable jewels and keys for you all. So, and let's, let's unpack aspiration and ambition, right? So my ambitions could be to gain a million dollars, right? So let's say I gain that a million dollars, right? Cool. My ambitions got me there. You understand me? It got me this job title. It got me this car. It got me all of these luxury things and, and whatever that may mean. But the graveyard is full of millionaires, full of billionaires, right, who are not remembered today. Now, if we think about somebody like Nipsey Hussle, we think about Tupac, 
Tupac died when he was 25. Nipsey Hussle at 33. There's people who live much longer lives than them, but what they became in that short amount of time was so aspirational that it impacted the world for years to come. Now, I say a legend is an energy that never dies. So when you're legendary, the things that you do, the value that you add to the world lives beyond your finite body. So when my body gone, the energy that I left, the way I made people feel, the story, my legend is still going on. It's still existing. So I want to figure out how can I become more? Not just how can I obtain more material success? See, people looked at uh, uh, Tupac as like a political prophet, a hip hop prophet. How they made him feel in his music when he talked about Brenda have a baby and things of that nature. He had became more than what he once was. He said he once said that, yeah, I'm thug like this tatted on my chest. But, you know, it's like a diploma. In high school, you get your diploma. Just because you go to college don't mean you no longer have your diploma. But I graduated. I graduated. I became more. And some of us don't know how to grow. And we are afraid of change. That's called that's that's, that, that's like homeostasis. We're afraid of change. So let's replace the word change with growth. Let's replace the word change with evolution. So now you sound silly saying that nah, I ain't go, I ain't go, I ain't go grow. I ain't go evolve. Now let's look at Nipsey Hussle. We seen the wheelhouse of the things that he done after his death, right? That they talked about how many people he helped, how many people he um, uh, employed, right? They talked about. Um, his social economic pieces, him talking about um, technology, right? Him changing the um, landscape of gang culture. He was really talking, I mean, his relationships. It's like, yo, they're talking about his family business. What did he become? He became more than his circumstances. So he was remembered because of how he made people feel. And then when other people heard about that story, they said, wow, that's very powerful. I didn't know much about him, but I can relate to that. Not because of what he had. Nobody talking about how much money Nipsey had. They talking about what he became. So you have to have an aspirational goal because also that allows you to utilize your assets. So now we can get into uh, human capital in just a second. Right. But when we talk about human capital, it's super important. And we talk about essential skills because when we talk about AI, they're forecasting that AI Derived business value is forecast to be $3.9 trillion in 2022. Now, there was a statistic that came out that said that 70, 90% of the jobs that your children are going to have, they don't exist yet, which means that they have to create their own jobs. Nobody told me I can be a global speaker. Nobody told me I can create a new tropic business that makes people healthier and smarter. The audacity, but you've got to have audacity today, which means... For one, you gotta, I'm gonna go over these core skills, as a matter of fact, before I even move forward. Because these are things that can't be automated, right? So if they can't be automated, then that means they can't be replaced by a machine. So I'm gonna say it slowly because I want you all to write this down. Right? So number one, um, complex problem solving. Complex problem solving. Number two. And like I said, I don't have time to go through each one. Um, you can tap in with me later on those. But these are the things that I teach in my master class. Uh, emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence versus artificial intelligence is what I call. Um, creativity. The creative mind is a dangerous mind. A mind that 
they say that creativity is like uh, it goes underground if you don't use it. You understand me? But it's a latent ability. The more you use it, the stronger you begin at it. And so once you become super creative, they said that two children two to four test 90 percent creative. By the time they're six to nine years old, they said only four percent are really testing at the high level of creativity. Why is that? Because people are always telling them what they can't do. People are always giving them their options. People are always telling them what things should be used for. They make them technical thinkers to do things as is. So I'm going to add abstract entrepreneurship into that as well. What is abstract entrepreneurship? Another thing I like to talk about and I like to teach. So there is an artist named uh, Boo Boo Designs. I believe that's what his name is. Some of you all may have seen him. He finds very abstract ways to be able to get projects done and his art shown to the world. Now, for example, say, let's say that if I got this right here, I say, look, I need you to um, um, create art based on this. You know what I mean? So if you take this and you draw it exactly how it is, you take this kilo of silver and you draw it exactly how it is, and a person is drawing it to the T exactly how it looks. That's technical, doing things as is, right? That's kind of how uh, Leonardo da Vinci did because he had to create sketches for like uh, surges and things of that nature. So he had to draw things to a T, right? So that's cool. But if you go to somebody like Basquiat, what would he do? So he might still capture the feeling, but it's going to have more emotion in it, right? So he might take a silver piece of, uh, 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 of uh, paint, he might paint it silver. He might have my, my hands around here with brown or something, something crazy, right? Now, the abstract, the emotion of what he's trying to convey is still there, still get to the goal, you understand me? And it's still art. But the thing about when you do things technical, they require no creativity, which means they require no emotion. So emotional intelligence is important for that. Now, what I'm getting to when we talk about abstract, abstract entrepreneurs finding Clever ways to get things done. Creative ways to get things done. So what Boo Boo Designs did, and it might be Bobo Boo Boo, I'm not sure, um, is he had paint something, right? And I don't even think he speaks English. He had paint something. So let's say he would take some boxing gloves and he would have the painting upside down. He would be punching it, punching it, punching it. Fast forward the video. He turned that upside down, or right side up, and it's a picture of Mayweather. And they said, wow, the way that they came together. Or sometimes he'd do something blindfold or he'd pick up a person and paint with them. He'd pick up a bike tire and paint with them. Now, when it comes to the art itself, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurial artists can actually do the same thing, right? But the process is what made it valuable. Now he's getting millions of views because of his abstract process, Right. So I'm an abstract entrepreneur. I knew that if I want to be speaking truth to power, if I want to be talking about things that's happening, I got to figure out abstract ways. I can't go like a normal speaker, get paid, book shows, corporate ties. I know I couldn't do that way. So I knew I had to build everything my own. So you really want to get into abstract entrepreneur. Don't try to be a technical thinker because that's what school made us to learn memorization techniques. And then we're graded by A, B, C, D scale systems. No, find abstract ways to get things done. I don't have too much time, so I'm going to just go through the rest of them. You all can write them down. Uh, negotiation. Um, judgment and decision skills. Coordinating with others. Organizations, only if you're organization. Organization is key. Cognitive flexibility, right? Um, critical thinking. 
uh, adaptability, storytelling, intuition, all super key. Like I said, I don't have time to go through everything. Does your business or skill set include the mats? So do you have a digital business? Do you have an online business? Is it automated? Are you using AI technology in some sort of way? Is it mobilized? Is it on the phone? Um, even my mobile business theory is talking about creating businesses that are mobile businesses such as like food trucks. But now I think one of the greatest opportunities is that you can create any business and put it on the truck right now. Um, a mad scientist world. So in order to navigate through this world, make sure you get those. What is the new America understanding the paradigm shift? Uh, in this new America, it's really creating one world systems that discard non-essential personnel. You understand me? So you have to make yourself as essential as possible. Um, <clears throat> ascend, let me see, new core values, mind management keys. I really like, so the way I be teaching sometimes is I give you reference knowledge and you have to go research the whole. You understand me? Because these are things that I can't really compact to you really quick. So I want you to write these things down. Um, I have my own master class, but you can just go research them yourself. Uh, mind management keys. Uh, one of the biggest things that people are learning about themselves is they don't know how to manage themselves. And mind management is super important because in business term, management talks about getting to your set obligation and goals, administering your activities. So what are you doing every single day? And are you a good manager of self? Do you overwork yourself or do you underwork yourself? Um, are you effective or are you just efficient? Efficient is is doing the thing that you're good at. Effective is doing the most important thing, right? To increase your results. So um, asset lifestyle adjusting. So your even your budget in your life and your finances should be geared towards things like this, paying for knowledge, right? Um, knowledge allows you to bridge the gap between your the execution of your goal and actually being able to get it complete. So when you don't know something, you can have an idea, but you're like, oh, well, I don't know how to do that. Boom. So that means you need to go research, learn how to get it done. Now you have that bridge of knowledge that will take you over to your goal. Uh, effective decision making, risk aversion. Risk aversion is super important, especially in this time. Thinking about everything that can possibly go wrong and putting together a plan in place. Learn how to pivot and adjust. Um, even with my business, uh, my healthpreneur business, uh, with Goldwater Court, to where we have Goldwater, we have Silver, we have Smart Moss. These things... A lot of them, some of these things we had to pivot because a lot of these products we already started before this recession hit. But when it hit, we had to pivot and say, okay, what are the most essential things right now? So, okay, let's create a vitamin C product. So we put vitamin C, sea moss, green tea extract. We know that people need to be focusing on these vitamins. One of our models was that we are under-mineralized society and an over-chemicalized society. We eat more chemicals than minerals, right? So I flew to Jamaica. Um, I have big bags of sea moss. We was doing 92 packs where we had the sea moss and the gold water because gold is also a natural element. I mean, mineral. So we was putting that into the bodies. And a lot of people was looking at these things as a luxury, but now health is an essential. They're talking about immunity passes. That's part of the new America. Your health literally becomes your wealth and it becomes your access pass. All right. And then estate strategies. A lot of us Think about working for ourselves forever instead of building businesses that we can possibly sell. What is your exit strategy? When is enough enough? Um, not enough black businesses especially have exit strategies. We, we celebrate people starting businesses. We never celebrate people selling businesses. Um, planning for expansion or contraction, which means that put a plan in place just in case things go really good, right? 
So if you get caught and let's say right now you experience organic exponential growth, right? To where now you've went from 100 orders to 500 orders. Well, if you can't fulfill those orders, you just got caught off guard. And if you have a system that allows people to buy even when you don't have the actual product, then that can become worse for your business in the long run because all those potential clients you're going to now lose and you're going to have to refund them their money or you can have processing, transaction processes, shut down, a multiple of things. So plan for expansion or contraction. What happens if things go bad? That's going to be your pivot and adjust strategy. Living above the sads. Make sure you're adjusting your life to make sure you got meditating, you, you getting working out, um, you're eating healthy. Uh, you're only surrounding yourself with people that's nurturing you. You understand me? People that love you. You're thinking about things that have gratitude over it. You're drinking plenty of water. You understand me? you living in the moment in a sense of you can only control the moment. Don't automatically think of the future. Don't think about things outside your control. Um, learn to live above the sad, stress, anxiety, depression, suicide. Essential business ideas. Um, what are some things that's going to be essential, not just for now, but for the future? Where are things pivoting? Study, study, study. When you look at what YouTube is doing, you look at what Amazon is doing, you look at any of these businesses, what are they doing to win? And then also, people are forming new habits while they're in the quarantine. So if America is forming new habits, that's also going to be data for you to understand, okay, what are going to be the new business models, right? So essential businesses, for one, are things that are essential. You can tell what's essential right now based on the businesses that still having an increase in sales, right? What are essential skills? We talked about that already. Um, how to raise your human capital. One quick way to raise your human capital is to learn something, right? Uh, the quickest way to add value to yourself is to learn something new. Write a resume to yourself. Ask yourself, what skills do you actually have? Every experience you have is a new skill set, whether you're a writer, whether you do uh, programming, whether you do um, graphic design, whether you're good at social media, whether you're good at managing other people's social media. It's a multiple of things to be able to raise your human capital. But number one, there's a declining human capital right now because basically people can't use physical labor. So now they have to go into mental labor. They have to adjust and get creative. So what is your human capital? Meaning that what is your value to the marketplace? Why would someone hire you above someone else? How can you create your own job? And also your human capital can be your network, right? How many, how, what kind of access do you have to high network individuals? You understand me? A person will add you into their team or bring you onto something just based on the well of people that you connected with. All right. Hold on. We're skipping some stuff now. We gotta get all this. Wait a minute. Where are we at? Oh, you know what? I just realized y'all did not go through all those slides with me because I was pressing my keynote instead. So this was the keynote that I was getting down to, and I'm gonna scroll all the way down. <clears throat> All right. Community businesses, neighbor networks, in-home experience. We only have about 10 minutes. I don't really have a lot of time to go through each one. Um, but community businesses are looking like essentially, I think that there's an opportunity for entrepreneurs to be able to beat out a lot of the big businesses. Um, I think some people remember when we had like candy ladies in the neighborhood. There can be somebody right now, instead of going to the store, imagine that each building have their own business in that building where you can go for essential goods. Now, I'm not going to go deep into that, but that's part of the community businesses and neighbor networks. And also 
creating businesses around in-home experience. One thing that went up during this time is sales on UV light because they actually help get rid of um, viruses and also plants, right? So there's plants that help stop um, electromagnetic frequency. So looking to those plants such as cactuses, you may be able to start a business selling those things, right? But in-home experience says that people are going to be spending a lot more time at home, right? So even things such as personal chefs, instead of people being able to utilize Uber Eats or go to the restaurants, because I think the restaurant business is going to experience a big decline, you can start creating a personal chef business to where, you know, you tell people what your times are. they actually able to, like, pick you like an Uber Eats, but it's like an Uber Chef's. To where now you're giving them in-home experience to where them and they bay can feel like they are going to a restaurant, but instead maybe they having salmon made at home or a vegan plate or whatever. So now they're like, oh, okay, it's an in-home experience. Now, restaurants, high-end restaurants, I don't think going to go out of style because people still need to get, especially people who have children, they still need to be able to get away. They don't want to spend that much time. So, but in-home experience, thinking about things that you can create for businesses or people that's going to be spending a lot of time at home. Right. You need to make your home your sanctuary more than ever if you want to be spending all this time. So what can increase people's experience? What businesses can be done by home? So in-home businesses is going to be super important. Um, help halo your business. So when I talk about um, and I'm going to finish this really quick. A health halo is basically something that makes people feel or a clean halo. Sorry. It's, it's wrong on there. Health halo are more things that make people feel like they're eating something healthy. So it can be like. Um, using the word natural, right? That makes a person feel, or using the word organic in your branding, right? That makes a person feel like they're eating something healthy. I mean, even the word um, crispy replaced the word fried. It's the same exact thing, but it makes a person feel like they're making a healthier decision. In reality, they're really not. But I came with the term clean halo business before they start creating mandates that basically you do have to have a clean halo for your business to open up. So how can you create a business? It can be a cleaning service. It could be something that makes people feel safe when they enter this space and feel trusted, right? So how are they going to be creating signage? How are they going to create things that make people feel like they're coming into a place that's clean? So you want to be able to communicate that with your brand and your business and create business models around it. Um, <clears throat> so it may be on-call janitorial services. Essential stocks. Look up essential stocks. What are stocks that perform well? Even during the downturn economy, I believe that the stock market is going to be like the housing market where people get into real estate a lot more because, for one, we've seen that people got into the um, real estate market when the prices went down and they was able to buy um, all of these properties up with the interest rates being super low right now. But what are essential stocks? What are things that you can invest in? Energy and tech stocks are super dope right now to look into. I only talk about that because we have a market keys class where we teach on those particular things. So like I said, I only teach things that I know about. Um, learn how to make money in the stock market. Don't just be a consumer. There's ways where you can put options on a business to where even if it goes down, you can make money. So you can bet on things going down. You can bet on things going up. You can make money regardless. <clears throat> Starting a family bank looking like getting into key man insurance. That's another thing I like to go over with my students. To where your business, your money is in a tax shelter to where instead of it going down based on inflation and it becomes less and less and your money is a liability. Now you can put it into these tax shelters to where it has a 4% return on your money guaranteed because of these premium insurance. Like I said, I don't have time. I'm just giving you the game right as I go. And group economic strategies. Learn how to work well with others. That's going to be completely important. 
because whatever you can't do on your own, you can always do with others. So you can pull five to 10 people and y'all can be pull, putting money together in the pot and start doing group economics. That's something that the Asian community um, practices. And the Asian community is actually the fastest growing wealth class in America and in the world. So you may want to practice some of the things that they do and study. Um, <clears throat> I have a ebook called 19 Seeds of Content where I go over everything, but we are already at 120, so I don't want to go too far into it. But this was your quick one-hour condensed masterclass. Uh, and I'll leave room for questions here. And uh, what does New America go be for y'all? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Excellent. Are you, are you still going? Do you want to wrap up with Q&A? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's wrap up with some q and I want to go straight to value for some of the people. Excellent, man. Excellent. I want uh, for everyone to chime in with a couple of questions. And as they're scrolling, I am going to call them out and then we can answer them with 19 keys. Uh, but in the meantime, I guess within these next few seconds, something that I wrote down was the word disparity. And a lot of what you are speaking about is helping us to repaint a picture um, of a false perspective that we've we've heard. Uh, I was I believe it was uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now. But the other day, is he said that we essentially have to rethink what we've been taught. And simply right. here is what you're showing us is how to reshift or reshape our perspective. Um, so what was that awakening for you? When was that awakening for you uh, that can possibly help so many people here? They know of you to have dropped gems and uh, over and over and over. But what was that awakening for you that, that said, hey, look, we got to we got to rethink different. We, or we have to think differently uh, versus the way that we were taught how to think in this country that we call America. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, at the risk of sounding whatever, uh, I, I at a very young age, my parents told me that I was a God, right? So I grew up in a different paradigm because I, I was able to see black men with power, mm. right? So what we say that we want to see, I seen that in an early age. I knew a black man out in Oakland, California. He had his own, basically our own standing army, our own security fund, own EM health services. I've been drilling probably about 20 years of my life, which is like militant drill. Yeah. And we call it so we used to travel around different hoods of America mm. and we used to drill to showcase them an example of what it means to be disciplined, what it means to be focused, what it means to have self-control. Mm. So I grew up in a different type of paradigm where I got in trouble. I could make one phone call and, and it'd be a gang of brothers that might pull up in all black suits and all black motorcade, you understand me, and help handle that situation. But I also grew up to where when I was 15 years old, I worked a job. To where I had to stop the pimps from coming in certain neighborhoods and taking little girls and trying to put them on a the track. Mm. I worked a job where I had to run a whole entire restaurant by myself, essentially like a, an outlet that I really wasn't prepared for. I just had to jump into it. Right. I've always grew up in this weird, like not weird, but just differently from being a black Muslim family, the only black Muslim family on the block. Everything that we did, the way that we ate, you understand me, um, the way that we move. The God that we believed in was different from everybody in the hood. So I was always forced to see things in a different capacity because nobody around me seen those things the same. So I'll always think about what's going to be the world when it's not just about becoming rich and famous, but rich and righteous. Mm. Right. And I think that one of the most underpriced assets when it comes to attention is the conscious thought leaders. Mm. Right. Because they can't get corporate sponsorships and things of that nature. 
So you always have to figure out abstract and different ways to be able to navigate. Mm. So now if you go to their pages right now and offer them probably underpriced on what you would pay somebody else with the same following, most likely they're going to say yes. Mm. Right. Why? It's because it's been underpriced so much, but they also have one of the better audiences because those audiences are almost like court life. Right. Those are the people who believe in the practical knowledge that they give out before it becomes the market standard. So for me, I'm all in. I'm, I'm very intentional and in shifting the paradigm. Right. So when I talk about crowning the world, I go around the world. I've crowned queens. I've crowned celebrities. Um, I've crowned hundreds and hundreds of people around the world telling them who they are and what's their value, because I believe in not fitting in, but standing out. So when I walk around the world, I don't see anybody that tells me that um, you can be like, think about it. We're going through a recession. How many billboards that are up that's telling people, don't worry about this, will be all right. These are essential skills that you should be tapping in, that you're great, that you're a guy, that you're creative, that you're valuable. No, everybody's trying to sell something to your lower self and your ego. So I said that, how can I create something that represents me when I walk in the room? Mm. That shit, the design of that paradigm, right? So now when they see these symbols of sun, moon, and stars, that represents a universal thinker. That represents freedom, justice, and equality, and enlightenment. So I'm always trying to be the change that I want to see. So I'm always thinking about what can change. Mm. Why does it have to be that way? How can we do it another way? So sometimes I, I, I want to be disruptive. Mm. And so when I hear ideas and I'm in a group of people, sometimes they may get me in trouble because I just want to add value, not go with the technical thinking, but what's the abstract way to where we can set the innovation? Mm. Matthew, I've been putting EMF um, Zorbs, what they call Zorbs in tech, in my crowns for the last two years. Wow. So when people start talking about 5G and all of a sudden everybody's afraid of EMF, guess what? Sales skyrocketed. Well, people was calling me crazy at first because they couldn't see the vision, right? So I'm always thinking ahead, what will be? And I knew that when you're an innovator and the world catches up to you, you get to catch all of that benefit. So I would say always look around and saying that why do things have to be that way? When you're a child, what you do? You ask your parents a hundred questions because you don't understand, like, why it got to be this? Why we got to do that? Uh, uh, how can it be changed? You're super creative. So when you get stuck in that technical thinking, you start to accept things as they are instead of what they can be. Mm. So for me, I mean, I think I've had multiple shifts throughout my life. Um, but just starting business myself, I had a brick and mortar store downtown Oakland. And all of my messages were like super empowering, black eyed protocol of black dreams matter. But here I am selling to white folks. I'm selling to Mexicans. I'm selling to Asians. Why? Because I took all the knowledge I had. I used to work for Prada for a number of years selling luxury uh, items. So I took that knowledge, fired them, and then used it for myself in yeah. this luxury space of consciousness to where normally people are not used to interacting with that sort of design in that way because I created an experience for them. So everything that I've been doing, I've been forced to do it a different way because I can't just take a design, put it on a shirt and then say, hey, buy it because it's conscious. No, I create a design first. Then I put a message on there. Then I create an experience around that message and branding and marketing around that message. So I want it to be something that you've never seen before or experienced. So now you see the value and the people. I just like the way you do that. I just like the story you tell. So now it's about shifting the paradigm and always looking how can things be better and not accepting things as they are? That's incredible. That's incredible. We have a question here from Daniel Parks. And the question is, how do you suggest that people tap into their creative side now that our economy is needing more of that versus manual labor? 
And if you can answer that 19 keys within probably 30 to 40 seconds, that would be a great. I think you just answered it, but if you can do it in 30 to 40, that would be great. Uh, all right, quick one. Design says interaction. Look at everything that you encounter in your reality. If you look at a doorknob, if it's twist left, that means what? You got to twist it left to open it up. So you can start thinking, okay, how could that doorknob be different? Look at your lamp. How could this be different? Ask yourself, everything that you encounter, how could it be different? Right? Now it's going to start forcing your mind to come up with these imaginative, creative thoughts. Same thing with quotes that you heard before. Yes, that quote made sense for a very long time, right? But what if I could change that quote and make it better? Hmm. So now you're taking all of your paradigms, everything around you, and you're constantly trying to figure out a way to improve them. Hmm. This is going to force you to be creative. But if you accept things as they are, then you just interact with things the way that they're designed. That's huge, man. That's huge. That's huge. 19 Keys, I, I got to say thank you very, very much, man. Very much. This was 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 practical. Um, and I believe the gems that you've left with the folks can be immediately applied, immediately applied. And that, my brother, deserves a, a round of applause. So thank you very, very, very much for this time. We appreciate you for everybody who wants to go follow you. It's, it's simply at 19 Keys, 19 Keys. Let's get this gentleman's followers all the way up. Although he's all the way up already, let's get him higher. He definitely deserves it and begin to spread his truth. Again, thank you so very much, 19 Keys. Guys, we are just five minutes away from bringing a gentleman onto the stage here that you, you, you just can't miss. You can't miss. So before we go, I want everyone to determine one thing that you can do within yourself that can help bring about change for this next generation or even for your life tomorrow? What is that one thing? How can you, what is that one thing you can look at in your life that you can say, this can be different. And if this changes, my whole life changes. I want you guys to go out with that. We have four minutes before our next speaker. Go jump into networking, go jump into the expo and let's get ready for our next speaker here in four minutes. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.